Life Audio. Today we're going to be going through Psalm 69. And one of the things that we read about in Psalm 69 is zeal for the house, how the zeal for the house consumes me. And it's this idea of passion and worship for God. But sometimes passion and worship for God can really be misunderstood by others. And so we're going to look at that today in today's Psalm. And we're going to unpack that after a word from our sponsor. Stay tuned. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what He says in His Word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach. And I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand his will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures, as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we are in Psalm 69. And if you are just joining us, if you're newer to the podcast, I would just want to let you know that we are reading through the entire book of Psalms. And we did that for a variety of reasons. We talked about that at the beginning of this year, as well as at, during the time that we did the introduction to the Psalms. So you are more than welcome to go ahead and go back and listen to that. But essentially, the Psalm book was the hymn book and prayer book of Jesus. And And so we see him quote that more often than any other book in the Old Testament and the disciples as well would quote the Psalms all the time. And so this is really a foundational way for us to have a better understanding as we study the life of Jesus, the words of Jesus. It helps us understand what he was talking about. We are in uh, almost halfway through the Psalms. We're in Psalm 69. And every Monday, I send out an email that has a journaling prompt that goes along with each one of these Psalms that helps you kind of just recap and get the information from your head to your heart. Again, that is free. If you sign up for my newsletter at shehears.org, you'll get that every single Monday. And that is for all the current episodes. Now, if you are starting from the beginning of Psalms and you would like the previous journaling prompts, you can pick that up for $5 on the resources page page of the website shehears.org slash resources and that is a digital document that you can download you can use it on your ipad you can print it out whatever you want to do with it it is just there available for you and that that guided journal will offer you a couple things it gives you a key verse it gives you a link to the free audio devotional every day and it also gives you space to write out the answer to a guided journaling question that helps you really digest the information from the pages of the scripture into your everyday life and so if you are a journal I think that will be a blessing for you. But if you're not a journaler, that's okay. You can use it as a discussion point. We use that a lot of times as a discussion point at our dinner table. And so that is a resource that's really cheap. It's five bucks. It's just there for you if you would like it. But otherwise, it's free in your inbox every Monday. So we're going to be starting at verse one of Psalm 69. This is a Psalm of David, and I'm reading from the NIV. 
Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths. There is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters. The floods engulf me. I'm worn out, calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail, looking for God. Those who hate me without reason outnumber the hairs on my head. Many are my enemies without cause, those who seek to destroy me. I am forced to restore what I did not steal. You know my folly, O God. My guilt is not hidden from you. May those whose hope in you not be a disgrace because of me. O Lord, the Lord Almighty, may those who seek you not be put to shame because of me, O God of Israel. For I endure scorn for your sake, and shame covers my face. I am a stranger to my brothers, an alien to my mother's sons. For zeal for your house consumes me, and the insults of those who insult you fall on me. When I weep and fast, I must endure scorn. When I put on sackcloth, people make sport of me. Those who sit at the gate mock me, and I am the songs of the drunkards. But I pray to you, O Lord, in the time of your favor, in your great love, O God. Answer me with your sure salvation. Rescue me from the mire. Do not let me sink. Deliver me, those who hate me, from the deep waters. Do not let the flood waters engulf me or the depths swallow me up or the pit close its mouth over me. Answer me, O Lord, out of the goodness of your love and your great mercy turn to me. Do not hide your face from your servant. Answer me quickly, for I am in trouble. Come near and rescue me. Redeem me because of my foes. You know how I am scorned, disgraced, and shamed. All my enemies are before you. Scorn has broken my heart and has left me helpless. I looked for sympathy, but there was none. For comforters, but I found none. They put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. May the table set before them become a snare. May it become a retribution and a trap. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and their backs be bent over. Pour out your wrath on them. Let your fierce anger overtake them. May their place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in their tents. For they persecute those you wound and talk about the pain of those you hurt. Charge them with crime upon crime. Do not let them share in your salvation. May they be blotted out the book of life and not be listed in the righteous. I am in pain and distress. May your salvation, O God, protect me. I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord more than an ox, more than a bull with its horns and hoofs. The poor will see and be glad. You who seek God, may your hearts live. The Lord hears the needy and does not despise his captive people. Let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and all that move in them. For God will save Zion and rebuild the cities of Judah. The people will settle there and possess it. The children of his servants will inherit it. And those who love his name will dwell there. So Psalm 69 is a psalm that talks about this concept of zeal. And the big idea for this psalm is really that there is this element of our passion and our worship for God that may evoke misunderstanding or even judgment from other people. And I'm sure that's something you've probably experienced if you've been a believer for any length of time. But there's this defining passion for God's house that that can leave people that don't have a similar passion in a place of just not understanding where we're coming from. And then there's this compelling interest in God's kingdom that really needs to be our highest priority. Psalm 69 is in the category of individual lament, and it is really grown from this place of David's persecution and being assaulted over and over again by those who hate him. We know at this point that David is ill in verse 29. Let me read it. It says, 
I am in pain and distress. May your salvation, O God, protect me. He is ill and he's being falsely accused. In verse 4, it says, Those who hate me without reason outnumber the hairs of my head. Many are my enemies without cause. He's in this place where over and over again we see him physically ill even to the point of um, being misunderstood and falsely accused. And we see this other places in scripture. I mean, those two conditions being combined, being falsely accused and being sick or ill, that happens to Job as well. And what it's doing is it's showcasing this situation for David that's really just intolerable. And it's a subcategory of Psalms that is sometimes called the imprecatory Psalms, which we've spent a lot of time on the imprecatory Psalms in the past, but the imprecatory meaning curse, and it is the curse against the psalmist's enemies. And we do see David, David respond that way, um, because then that culture cursing was something, and I'm not talking about swearing, but I'm talking about actually calling out a curse, um, that is something that was common to that culture in the ancient Near East. And so in this form, they're not necessarily curses like the other cultures outside of Israel would call out. Like they would really invoke some sort of curse with a false god against somebody. But instead, these are similar, but but they're more prayers where they are prayers that, that David is saying he's asking God to curse his enemies. And what we see regardless of David's words, you know, there's a lot of emotion here and, and I'm sure you can, uh, identify with that. If you've ever been in a similar situation when you've been hurt or maybe falsely accused, what we see is the action. And the action is that David leaves vengeance in God's hands, which is a perfect example of how we are to respond in similar situations. Yesterday's psalm was kind of the opposite of today's psalm. So in Psalm 68 yesterday, it was a lot about joy and the celebration of Israel because of Yahweh's hand upon Israel as they go from Egypt down to Zion. And there, it leaves you, yesterday's psalm leaves you with this picture of God in the sanctuary at the end in in Zion. And yet here in Psalm 69, what we see is that David is in a lot of distress. He's almost drowning by the trouble that is just feeling like it's going to overwhelm him. And he's suffering for God's sake. In verse 7, it says he's, he's suffering for the sake of the Lord. And yet we still see David driven by zeal for God's God's house. And that has gotten him a bunch of insults from those that don't share his passion, that don't understand it. And I think we're going to stop here for a couple minutes. And after a word from our sponsor, we'll come back and we'll talk about the zeal aspect of David and how that affects us today. Stay tuned. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that before, but for me, one of the things that made me think of was early on in my career, I was in children's ministry and we were doing a lot of um, impactful work in the low income housing projects in, in areas that were dangerous and areas that were nowhere, no other churches and ministries were working. They were areas that were just kind of the, the forgotten parts of, of society, but yet there was lots of kids that lived down there. And so we had been working down there, building relationships for a couple of years. And one of the things that we were able to finally do is to go in and do a block party for these kids. And we had a team of, I don't know, 20, 30 people that regularly served in that kind of ministry with us. But beyond that, 
um, it was an opportunity for us to get some of the other church leadership and key leaders involved in this outreach ministry that we had been doing. And of course, I, as the children's and the outreach pastor, this was right up my alley. And, you know, I had worked tirelessly to get this thing off the ground. And we invited some of the church leaders and, and church members to come participate. And so it was a block party where we had like, you know, blow up bouncy house and kind of like a Turing supper if you've ever done one of those at your church but we were doing it actually in the neighborhood to in an effort to build relationships with the church people and with the people in the neighborhood and kind of just show some of the things that God had been doing in and through this outreach team and there was a moment of frustration for me because I was so passionate about this. I was so excited. I had been working for years to to get to this point where we had been developing these relationships and teaching these people in this neighborhood about how God cares for them. And then we finally invited the church leadership down. And when they got there, they stood on one area of the parking lot or the, of the playground and they just talked to each other. And it was so frustrating for me because here I had worked so hard to get this event to even happen with this expectation that everybody else there would be just as excited and have as much zeal as I did to go and and reach out and form relationships and minister and talk to and just be exposed to the people that lived in this neighborhood. And that did not happen. And it was so frustrating for me because this was church leadership. And, you know... We're just cut from a different cloth, I feel like, um, my husband and I. But but as we are walking through and I'm pushing kids on the swing and I'm making sure that everybody got enough food and there's enough juice boxes and all those kinds of things, in passing, I made mention to two couples that were standing there that were part of church leadership. And I said, you know, guys, it would be really helpful if instead of talking to each other, because you see each other all the time, if you could go talk to these people that we're actually doing outreach with. And again, these were people that had been in ministry for, you know, many, many years that, that knew, shouldn't have had to have been told that. And at the time, I didn't think anything of it. It was really how I was feeling at the time. And the next day I got called into the church office and I was reprimanded because, because of my zeal. And I was told I needed to temper my zeal. And that was kind of the beginning of the end in that, in that organization. Cause I thought, you know, if, if, if God has burdened my heart with outreach and evangelism and discipleship, and I'm not in a place that is supportive of that, that, that recognizes that, then this likely is not the place for me. But I say all that to say, that even within the family of God, your zeal or your passion for the things that God has burdened your heart with will not always be well received. And it's okay. And you keep going. If I had given up, if I had allowed that to squash my zeal, you know, there are times that we do need to temper our zeal, but I don't think that that was an appropriate comment at the time. I think it challenged the leadership in a way that was embarrassing and maybe even a little bit shameful for them because they should have known better. And instead of being humble and saying, yeah, you're right, we probably should. Instead, it was easier to attack me. And that's okay. It's okay. I kept going. That's why I'm doing the podcast. That's why I serve in, in missions now. And I'm in global orphan care and I'm going to the DR and, you know, all of the things. Um, but But my point with that is don't allow that to steal from you the joy that comes from being passionate about something, especially the things that God is passionate about. And even the 
leaders that should be excited at the same level as you, they might not be. And it's okay. It might just mean you're not in your place. You're not in the place that that you should be. And pray about that. I mean, if that's something that you're feeling, that you're sensing, that there's a, a tension around, it's okay. Sometimes you outgrow a church or sometimes you outgrow church leadership or even teams. You know, you might have a certain passion about something that others around you are not passionate about. It just means that you're not in the right place of, of where you should be serving. And you just, you keep going until you find your people. You don't give up. That's the encouragement there, I, I think. This whole psalm, um, it kind of goes along with Psalm 22 because it's it's a frequently quoted psalm in the New Testament. And so in Psalm 69, we see a couple different places where the New Testament authors go back and they use these foundational principles. Um, the author of this psalm is describing the depths of despair and suffering and and um, devotion to God. And he wants to worship God in the way that God has instructed him. And the tradition says that David, of course, wrote this psalm. And there are some scholars that believe that perhaps Hezekiah wrote this psalm. Um, Jeremiah or even another unknown Jew is, is also sometimes credited as writing it. But either way, what we know is that there are portions of this psalm that are dealing with this aspect of worship and this aspect of zeal that is misunderstood from others. And that can really fit the case of a couple different leaders throughout Israel's history. And so to me, it doesn't really matter. You know, I mean, it's included because God wanted it included and it speaks to a foundational principle that is very common to the human experience. So it doesn't quite matter who exactly wrote it. What matters is the content that's in it. There are portions of this psalm that also look forward in anticipation to the way that Jesus suffered. And the confession in verse 5, let me read it. It says, you know my folly, O God, my guilt is not hidden from you. Is a confession that cannot be applied to Christ, but it is a confession that really centers around us. And so while there are elements of this psalm that point forward to Christ that can be applied, I would encourage you to be cautious of just blanketly saying, yeah, this whole thing is a messianic um, prophetic psalm that applies to Christ. Because the cursing part and the part about having sin is something that, that would not apply to Jesus. But I, I want to point to verses 1 through 4, where it's talking about, save me, O God. The expression of suffering and mistreatment of a godly person is also very descriptive of what Jesus experienced and felt as he was being persecuted by people around him that were not godly, that that as he was experiencing this agony of death on the cross, there's a very similar way that we can identify with that as any follower of God who experiences trouble and judgment and condemnation from those around him. And sometimes we see no way out and we can cry out to God in a way that feels desperate. And the people of God that are experiencing that can have confidence just as Father God comforted and finally freed Christ from his suffering. He also will free his followers in his timing and in his way. And and that's kind of what the psalm starts off with before we even get to this Ezekiel conversation. But then it kind of um, 
it kind of moves into this idea of, of zeal and what I was talking about earlier when it starts in, in verse 9. For zeal for your house consumes me, and the insults of those who insult you fall on me. It's really showcasing how the psalmist is willing to put up with rejection or shame or even isolation because of his passionate enthusiasm for worshiping and serving in the way that God has called him to serve and serving the purposes that God has for his life. And so he has spoken up against sin. He has prayed for spiritual revival. He is going through this process of cleansing and changing that he's praying for among God's people. And because of that, that was a challenge to those around him. And he became the object of ridicule. And and he was being insulted from the people who wanted to be comfortable and keep things the way they were. And I think that is really, even with my experience, what the, the core issue was is I was calling them out of their comfort zone. It was not comfortable for them to speak to people that looked different, that act different, that spoke different, that uh, lived in a different area, that had a different amount of money. It was not comfortable for them to talk to them. So instead they talked to each other. It was really about comfort. And that is a very dangerous place to be. When God calls you out of your comfort zone, instead of being obedient to that and shying away from that, um, that, that, that place of um, resistance can can really lead to disobedience. And I'm not going to judge them. That's between them and the Lord. But what I know is there was a perfect opportunity and God did move that day upon those hearts of those people. They didn't use those individuals. They used the other individuals, the other team of, of however many people that were, that were there that were following through in obedience. But that's a very dangerous place to be and I don't ever want to be in that place. And so that's something that goes through my mind. Even when I don't understand, you know, there are other people that have different kinds of passions and giftings that are just not the same as mine. And it's okay because God has called us each to a different path but I would never judge that person and if God has put me in a situation where I'm called to serve in that way I'm not going to back out I'm going to be obedient and know that he will make up the difference if I'm feeling insecure if I don't feel equipped if I don't feel like this is my wheelhouse that it's okay because we have the spirit of God that enables and equips us to do what he has called us to do there's one more thing before I go back and read it again. And and this is the idea of the table becoming a snare. And this is down in verses 22 through 28. And here David is praying, or the psalmist, if you don't want to say David, maybe it's Hezekiah, but regardless, the psalmist, he's praying for judgment to come on those that who are opposing God and mistreating God's followers. And that's again we talked about the, the the curse aspect of this of this imprecatory psalm that we see happen with David and while there might be this verbiage remember that sometimes what we're seeing in the psalms is this expression of human emotion the the psalmist is not the one that we always pattern our behavior after it's the god that we pattern our behavior after and so when we see shadows of perhaps sin i mean of course david we know david's history he was not without sin he might have been called a man after god's own heart but he was still a sinful man that that really messed up a lot in his life we don't pattern our behavior in our life after david we pattern our behavior after god and so we are chasing god's character and god's nature, not David's. That's important to remember. And so as he's calling out a, a, a curse on his enemies, 
Paul applied these verses to Jews who continue to reject Jesus and the opportunity that was provided for them to renew their relationship with God. But yet, look at the action piece there, okay? The action is that they released that situation to God. And I don't know about you, but I, especially in that situation, I was running my mouth. I mean, I for sure was running my mouth. Not publicly. I would not do that publicly. But to my husband at home and to God, I was running my mouth. Like, I I was very emotional, very upset about it. And I wouldn't go so far as to say... I was calling out curses, but I'm like, man, I I was praying God for for God to convict their hearts and to teach them a lesson for sure. Now I left the action piece to God and I didn't let him deal with it. And there have been consequences, um, in our community because of those kinds of, um, deeply rooted attitudes and heart postures. And I'm not going to get into that today, but, but what I will say is that God dealt with it. God dealt with it. He dealt with it in me and he dealt with it in them. And so as much as I wanted to model David and his attitude and his posture of the heart, I released that in my behavior to God. So again, I'm going to go back at verse one of Psalm 69. And um, hopefully those insights are helpful to you as we read through this psalm. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters. The floods engulf me. I'm worn out calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for God. Those who hate me without reason outnumber the hairs on my head. Many are my enemies without cause. Those who seek to destroy me, I am forced to restore what I did not steal. You know my folly, O God. My guilt is not hidden from you. May those who hope in you not be disgraced because of me. O Lord, the Lord Almighty, may those who seek you not be put to shame because of me, O God of Israel, for I endure scorn for your sake, and shame covers my face. I am a stranger to my brothers, an alien to my own mother's sons, for zeal for your house consumes me, and the insults of those who insult you fall on me. When I weep and fast, I must endure scorn. When I put on sackcloth, people make sport of me. Those who sit at the gate mock me, and I am the song of drunkards. But I pray to you, O Lord, in the time of your favor, in your great love, O God, answer me with your sure salvation. Rescue me from the mire. Do not let me sink. Deliver me from those who hate me and from the deep waters. Do not let the flood waters engulf me or the depths swallow me up or the pit close its mouth over me. Answer me, O Lord, out of the goodness of your love. In your great mercy, turn to me. Do not hide your face from your servant. Answer me quickly, for I am in trouble. Come near and rescue me. Redeem me because of my foes. You know how I am scorned, disgraced, and shamed. All my enemies are before you. Scorn has broken my heart and has left me helpless. I looked for sympathy, but there was none. For comforters, but I found none. They put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. May the table set before them become a snare. May it become a retribution and a trap. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and their backs be bent forever. Pour out your wrath on them. Let your fierce anger overtake them. May their place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in their tents for they persecute you persecute those you wound and talk about the pain of those you hurt charge them with crime upon crime and do not let them share in your salvation may they be blotted out of the book of life and not be listed with the righteous 
I am in pain and distress. May your salvation, O God, protect me. I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord more than an ox, more than a bull with its horns and hoofs. The poor will see and be glad. You who seek God, may your hearts live. The Lord hears the needy and does not despise his captive people. Let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and all that move in them. For God will save Zion and rebuild the cities of Judah. Then people will settle here and possess it. The children of his servants will inherit it. And those who love his name will dwell there. God, we thank you for the inheritance that is ours because of Jesus, that that as we love your name, we can dwell in the presence of your Holy Spirit. God, I pray for my friends that that may have some extra zeal. Lord God, help them not to be discouraged when those around them criticize them, but help them to lean into the calling that you have for them. Lord, I pray that as we go throughout our day today, that we would sense your presence in a powerful way, that we would be overwhelmed with zeal for your house. God, I thank you for the privilege that it is to have the treasure of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey friend, do you feel like you need a little one-on-one? My goal for the She Hears Ministry, the Hearing Jesus podcast, all the resources that we have is to really help you learn how to hear God's voice so that you can be confident in your relationship with him. And if you're struggling to learn how to identify or even overcome the barriers that you have in your life to growth, I want to be able to walk through that with you. Did you know that I'm a Christian life coach? Maybe you're struggling with something and you need some objective biblical insight or opinions, or maybe you need to work through something that feels just a little bit too heavy to do on your own. I would love to walk through that with you and land on some practical ways to achieve that goal. And so I have some limited coaching opportunities. If you go to shehears.org, there's a section where you can schedule some one-on-one time with me. I have Mondays and Fridays open right now going into the new year. So I pray that if that is something that you need, that you've been about that it would be an opportunity for you to take advantage of some one-on-one time with me. And again, my heart is really to help you lean into whatever it is that God is calling you to do. I pray that that's a blessing for you. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call on your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.